0: This is Luke Brodeen, uh, one of the pastors here at InTown, and I'm sitting here with Pat Freeman, Jim Wirt, and Jay Thompson uh, for a discussion of this year's General Assembly of the PCA. Uh, we're going to be answering some basic questions about what uh, General Assembly is, talk about uh, what happened this year specifically, and also share a little bit about how each of us Uh, were affected by the time that we had uh, in June of this year. Jim, would you be able to give us just a brief explanation of what General Assembly is and why it's important?
1: Uh, General Assembly is an annual gathering of lots and lots of what we call commissioners, that is, different elders, both teaching elders, that is, professional pastors, um, as well as ruling elders like Jay and Pat and I are. Uh, that go to a different city each year and conduct the business of the church. Um, It's one of the several gatherings. There's local churches, there's presbyteries, and then General Assembly is all of us gathering together from all over um, North America, both Canada and the U.S., to conduct stuff on behalf of the church. It's a place where um, we are conducting the topical business of the church that um, has accumulated year to year, uh, and that's kind of pressing on us. Now, those could be um, particular issues that are circulating around our culture. They could be um, issues that have surfaced because they're important to um, our unity in mission or even our unity in terms of um, how we are um, identifying issues that the that the church generally or specific presbyteries and churches needs to work on. So it's a chance um, to do that kind of work. For me, though, secondly, it's extraordinarily important as a body of connectionalism. It is a place where the whole denomination can come together together and it's not so much the business that's going on on the floor of the Assembly. It's also the ways that we are having a chance to connect with one another. It can become a place where our vision is expanded because we're seeing what else is going on within the committees and agencies of the denomination and also within the various churches within our denomination. And I think that's a really important kind of expansion of, of uh, vision and of appreciation for for how connected we can be and how powerful that can be.
2: And part of that connectedness, I think, is the realization that we're part of a larger church and we're under each other's authority. We're gathered together as brothers. Um, It's a a, a, a wonderful feeling of we're not out there alone.
0: So, Pat, can you tell us Who is it that actually attends General Assembly?
3: The simple answer is it's ruling elders and teaching elders. Um, There are a lot of other people that attend as guests uh, that are welcome, and they're observers and they're processors, and they engage in conversations offline. But the short version is it's ruling elders and teaching elders, ruling elders being members of the session, teaching elders being pastors. And a church can send as many teaching elders as they have. The who goes and why relates to either being a part of the conversation that Jim alluded to earlier and Jay alluded to earlier, so that you can learn and garner insights into what's going on with our church and what is God calling us to do and what is God calling us to change. And so the opportunities to listen uh, when the floor is active and to hear the pros and cons around an issue that are always exceptionally well presented and thought out has been a huge gift. So people go to vote ultimately to be able to make a decision around where we head as a church, hearing God's calling in that regard, but we also go to learn. And uh, in support of Jim's comment and Jay's comment, just being there with a bunch of family is awesome. I mean, when when you hit the floor and we start singing, it's like, wow, that's part of the reason we have so, Jay, where was uh, General Assembly this year?
2: Uh, General Assembly was over in Birmingham, Alabama, and it was a city I'd never been to before, and I was happily surprised by the uh, facilities and the welcome. It was really nice.
0: And that's one of the great things, too, is getting to see different, actually go to the places where many of these other churches throughout the country um, are existing, and they're hosted by the the churches in the presbytery surrounding that city and get to have that flavor. So we had a Birmingham flavor uh, in the worship, uh, in the hospitality that would be different from uh, even in Atlanta or a Memphis or a St. Louis, other places that have hosted it. So Jim, you've uh, been going for a few years. Have you figured out exactly how many years you've been going to I did.
1: I I looked it up. Um, I started as a commissioner for the first time in 2002. So I guess this would be year 20 or... 21, somewhere like that.
0: And Jay and Pat, this was your first time, right, going as a commissioner?
3: We were newbies.
0: That's right.
2: Actually, my second. I attended four years ago when we were here in Atlanta,
1: and uh, so this is just my second.
0: Jim, could you maybe give us an idea of what some of the main topics that were covered on the floor?
1: Really a very significant and encouraging piece of progress, in my view, were some of the actions that we took related to protecting victims— of domestic or sexual abuse and violence. Um, we have had for the last two years a study committee that has been gathering with really terrific membership on it. And we heard a report from that study committee along with the um, the provision of a document, their, their report, which I hope is going to be available if you look down, give you a link to that. And it's worth reading. It's a lengthy document. Um, uh, it, will, it is going to provide really solid counsel and advice for individual churches, sessions, presbyteries, and our denomination generally on how to engage well in these kinds of um, issues that are facing many, many churches. Um, importantly, we actually finally made hard-fought progress in adjusting some of the ways that our church courts will act and especially how they will protect potential victims of abuse as far as giving testimony without having to be in front of their alleged abuser face-to-face. Um, so I was really encouraged that we started to make progress. There's more work to be done there um, and additional adjustments to our constitutional documents. But I, I'm—I I'm, was that was probably the most encouraging thing for me as far as progress that we made. Um, a second area, which we've been kicking around for the last like five years at General Assembly connects to, I'll label it as being above reproach as a church officer. Uh, Some of us feel like we have already got enough in our constitution and our book of church order stuff to cover that territory. Others felt like it was important to put more specific things about how an officer of the church must be thinking about their character and um, how they are um, trying to mortify. The, the, the lingering sin in our own life and how we present gospel faithfulness. Um, I, I think we actually arrived at a pretty strong consensus on some language that could go in to our book of church order. We'll see if that, um, that happens or not. And then um, the last area, we we always tend to try to make statements about stuff, culturally relevant stuff like we talked about before. One in particular was actually primarily authored by an old in-town son for those that have been around in town for a long time. Scott Seton was um, an executive director. He ultimately was ordained as a pastor, and he's now up in Washington, D.C. But he, um, along with many others, was the author of a statement about political violence – so it's linked into not only kind of the January 6th mentality, which is going on probably as you're listening to this, this podcast, um, but also um, an array of things that are happening in our, our churches and in our culture that, that talk about how do we engage appropriately as believers and Christians in things that are important, including political things. So that ultimately didn't pass. It is going to be available. It might be another one of those links in the description, but it's it's a worthy read and it's something that I hope that we as an in-town session and as even as a, um, as a presbytery will continue to look at, maybe even make statements of our own. Um, my little bonus point is we decided to leave the National Association of Evangelicals. I have lots of points of view on that, but I will leave that to a, a later conversation. If you want to come talk to me, I'll,
0: I'll be happy to talk about it. Thanks, Jim. Uh, Pat, what, what was uh, something that you uh, took away from?
3: Yeah, so Jim did a great job. And thank you, Jim. The, one of the things, because we've been focused on COVID in town and paying attention to it, certainly not ignoring it, was uh, a report from Brian Chaplin around the status of the PCA with respect to COVID and the implications to attendance and participation. And the good news is, the implications to our denomination has been a drop of 1.5%, which is pretty minimal uh, in comparison to some other uh, groups and uh, I think is something that we can overcome and God can uh, build back over. But I think um, I think that's really good news for us given all of the whacks that we got from uh, COVID. So I'm very thankful for that good news. And Jay, what were some uh, other things that we got to hear
0: from while we were there?
2: I was particularly moved by the report on the protection of victims of abuse and the thoughtfulness and the depth of the report of that committee. And a number of them were doctors in their areas. Um, It it was to hear the report was very, very moving. And then the availability of the entire document um, will provide a way for me to be a better shepherd, for us to be more understanding of situations as they arise. Um, it, it was just a tremendously moving moment for me to hear that report during General Assembly.
0: Yeah, yeah. and honestly, I'd say in my experience uh, over the years, these study committees are so genuinely helpful in the final th- product that they give to us. For uh, for me as a pastor, uh, for us... As uh, the leaders of the church, even for the congregation, but this one so specifically, and I'm and I'm with Jay. Like there was just this emotional, oh, while we were listening to this, and there's case studies in there from victims that have been within the PCA. It's not just other denominations that there are abuse happening within our congregations. Um, so it. I highly recommend if if you have the time to to go and and seek out this document and um, to be able to be praying for us as leaders and for us as a denomination as we we try to step into this and to do better
1: jay you they kept pulling you back into the overseers committee, but you got to see some of the reports from our committees and agencies as well
2: that's correct yeah uh, uh, a big part of general assembly is uh standing uh committees and agencies bring reports to General Assembly, for instance, uh, a report on the health of Covenant College, or um, we got to hear Lloyd Kim talk about progress being made at Mission to the World and reports about Mission to North America. And so it was very helpful to know, oh, that these different um, parts of the PCA are thriving.
0: Yeah, and uh, they actually, you mentioned uh, MTW Mission to the World. They had a a video uh, of the work that's being done in Ukraine, and I I believe uh, we are planning to show that uh, in a week or two as part in our worship service, and we actually get to pray for the work that they're doing and um, for that. So it really, you know, it is a gathering of our churches, but we are a church that serves the world, and uh, for us to get that feel um, and and to hear these stories year in year out um, is is really. a big reason that I love getting to come and and to see the work of our church is something bigger than what we are doing just in our neighborhoods. To wrap up this section, um, you know, this we've talked about how this affects the denomination, but how does that actually affect us uh, at in town as a as a church, both for us as leaders and for our congregation? Does how do these things uh, play out in the coming year or the years years ahead, further down the road? Uh, Jim or uh, any of the other guys, what do you, what's your takeaway that could help us understand where this I'll, is? I'll start.
1: These guys probably have more wisdom than I do. But uh, for me, General Assembly is operating at a macro level in ways that in town is operating at a micro level. And so a lot of the same themes are ones that need to be uh, brought and applied more deeply where we are. Um, and so for me, like Jay was talking about these various committee and agency reports, we have so many people Um, At in town, who have deep connections into the various ministries of the church, they've sent their kids to Covenant College, or they've gone to Covenant Seminary, or um, they are missionaries within, or serve within MTW or MNA. Um, And so, the the idea of seeing how those ministries play out with our own people and being on mission together, but in a connected way um, and in a biblical way, is 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 really encouraging. So. Um, that, that, for me, is the primary application of, um, of how General Assembly will relate. There are these other topics and issues that I'm sure will be relevant, like the domestic abuse one. I mean, that, that's going to have literal potential application the next time that we as a session... Um, need to be helpful in pastoring and shepherding well in a situation that involves those kinds of issues and dynamics. So we have more wisdom, more biblical wisdom now available to us because of the work that General Assembly has done. So that's really encouraging for me.
3: To Jim's point about macro and micro, if you bring this down to really micro levels, a lot of our families at In Town are affected by the discussions around LGBTQ, gender identity, focus on those kind of things. And I think those conversations at the GA level and at the Presbytery level are likely to become increasingly important as we as a denomination make position statements about. People's credibility in a role or availability to serve in a role or um, even ability to serve in a role. So I think that's going to be a piece that will also probably come into play and have implications for us at a local level.
2: And I would uh, uh, echo all of that. I'd agree that there's a a helpfulness to the larger committees reporting to us and giving us the resources we need as we face these different issues of our times.
0: You know, as we start to wrap up, uh, Pat, Jay, th- this was uh, your first experience of a, a General Assembly outside of Atlanta. What, uh, what was something that surprised you? What was what was your experience of, uh, of your time there?
3: I was really, really encouraged. Um, didn't know what to expect uh, exactly, had some ideas. But, you know, we live in such a divisive, polarized world. I mean, we've got the hearings going on right now. Social media is—it's you're either on one side or the other, and the thing that I heard in the orientation from Brian Chapel, and then again later from Roy Taylor, was our desire to be uh, balanced, um, and so not polarized, but to have a presence on both extremes, um, to hold Scripture up as as an authority, and at the same time to be compassionate and loving and not to fall into either of those two camps. There's a great Schaefer quote I'll rip through real quickly here. The basic problem in all these things is the same. We must exhibit simultaneously the holiness of God and the love of God. Anything else than this simultaneous exhibition presents a caricature of our God to the world rather than showing him forth. We're in a day when evangelicals tend to let down the absolutes in the word of God in doctrine and in life— And we must be careful not to contribute to this. On the other hand, we are in a day when other evangelicals are becoming more and more heartless. And we must be careful not to contribute to this as well. The problem is in being those who insist upon the absolutes of God and yet show forth beauty to the world, which is struggling for the need for both absolutes and beauty. So the summary statement he opened with, we must exhibit simultaneously the holiness of God and the love of God. And that's what I heard so clearly from the leadership. We're not gonna and even in the even in the presentations when there were different views being presented, there was a desire to pursue what God was calling us to, and to pursue his holiness and and in a relevance and a tie back to scripture. So I was deeply, deeply encouraged by that. There wasn't this polemic kind of diatribe against one another argument. There was a very deep desire for peace and purity and order, uh, and I was deeply, deeply encouraged by that.
2: I came away from uh, General Assembly with a very real sense of people's heart for the PCA and likewise their heart for the gospel. And Um, the the grace and mercy and peace that Jesus Christ can bring into our lives. Um, One of the moments for me was uh, they had seminars around the business of of the General Assembly, and one of them was from 8 to 9 o'clock one morning, and it was a panel discussion of which Jim was part. And um, they talked about the future of the PCA. And one of the quotes that really struck me was, Uh, The encouragement to, and I quote, cast down imaginations that set themselves up against Jesus, Mm -hmm. and a real sense that um, this is something I can carry with me. This is something I can communicate. Um, There were also messages about being humble and praying without ceasing. Um, And this was all before 930, all before the business started, and I thought, I've I'm, I've had enough for today. That's great. I, I don't need to go any further. And yet, we had a whole day of of business and encouraging reports as well.
0: So, Jim, this is as as we pointed out, uh, number twenty, number twenty one, something like that. Well, what was what was unique about uh, about this year's meetings?
1: I came away much more encouraged than I expected to be. Just given, kind of as Jay was describing, that desire to find and 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 Pat Schaefer quote, the desire to find the appropriate balance between applied biblical fidelity, which we absolutely need with missional zeal, which we absolutely need in the context of working together in a connected way. And so for me, this assembly in a lot of ways did that. Jay mentioned I probably the unique thing for the first time I was ever on a an assembly wide um, seminar panel which was a real privilege especially um, one of the last minute additions was um, a brother uh, I knew him up in uh, Virginia he's now in North Carolina who's a ruling elder Glenn Burkell um, who's it, it was you know he had terrific things to say watch watch the video but it was just great to have a reunion and a communion because he was he flew out the next that morning you know so did the seminar and left but that kind of connection surprising connection with people that you haven't seen in a long time and the affirm- affirmation of co-laboring in common in a common cause for Christ's church in our little corner of it as flawed as it is uh, was was such an encouragement to me and and that's those are the surprises at general assembly even after 20 years that that I still find
0: i feel like both the interpersonal contact that I had to be uh, renewing and rekindling uh, friendships that that I haven't, you know, people I haven't seen in these three years. And, you know, I've stayed in touch uh, over uh, the internet, but, you know, being able to to reconnect, but also to really reconnect with the denomination as a whole. uh, I was very uh, encouraged uh, about uh, where... We, where I hope we're going, and I, th- I think where we at InTown hope that the denomination continues to go. So I really appreciate you uh, taking uh, some time out of your day to join us. Uh, and thank you, uh, Pat, Jim, and Jay, uh, as well as our tech, Matt, for uh, taking some time to be able to talk about this. I uh, hope you have a, a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We enjoyed it.